From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. In my case, the manager at the time took his glasses off and he got quiet. And I thought I was going to throw up because he looked up at me and said, "Um, I wish I had your courage when I was your age. Today on episode 81 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Teresa Campbell. Not only did Teresa have the foresight to start her coaching business while employed full-time by Ford, she had the courage to discuss it with her employer. Today, Teresa is happily employed and a successful coach. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Teresa Campbell. Teresa is the founder and CEO of Her Life, Her Legacy, a leadership development organization dedicated to the power of deep listening. As a leadership coach, author, and lifelong learner, she helps you find and listen to what matters most. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you've been building your coaching business while being employed full-time in a significant position in a major corporation. Yes. What made you decide to do it that way? And I realize this is very different for your listeners. So what made me decide to build while still being fully full-time employed um, was just a knowing that I have a purpose and my purpose as a coach, right? It was kind of navigating, do I want to do consulting? Do I want to do coaching? And then the only way to figure it out is to test it. So while working full-time, it made sense to start getting coaching and starting to coach other people and create a business in a very transparent and deliberate way. Got it. And how long ago did you start your coaching business? I started my coaching business in 2012, but I tell people I didn't turn pro until 2015. So one of the things that I really appreciated about the invitation that you have people who are considering being guests coming on your show is you have this minimum, besides the 20 years in corporate requirement, but this minimum of three years of having gone solo, three years of experience. And I think it took about three years of tinkering and testing and trying different things and seeing what worked, what didn't, and what I really, really, really wanted to be doing. In addition to working full-time, getting married, having a couple babies. So it was a good pace for me to discover that out while still working full-time. Great. And actually, between our two shows, I would say Smashing the Plateau, we deal with topics that are more for consultants and coaches that have reached some kind of stability in their business. Mm -hmm. You know, generally, it's like two to three years or more. Everybody's different. Some people can ramp up really quickly. For others, it actually takes way longer. But I find for a lot of people, I hear like two to three years seems to be like the, the tipping point. And then going solo is more about the early stages of uh, being able to make that transition. And you actually are sort of a hybrid because you've been doing the coaching longer than three years, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time, you're still employed. Correct. So you, yeah, so you're actually speaking to points which are really relevant for consultants and coaches at various stages in their, both in their career and their entrepreneurial journey. Exactly. And I like to call myself an old millennial, right? Technically, I am a millennial, but old from the standpoint of I'm not 
the stereotypical millennial that's like, I got to get out of here. I got to do my own thing. Like, just take this big leap. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But I do think slowing down, really getting clear on who you are, how you want to operate, what works for you, a very intentional, methodical approach for me makes sense. So I'm somebody that likes to walk versus just make some massive leap. And that's that's actually served me very well because when I did decide that I wanted to go the coaching route versus the consulting route, and it's no secret, it's from the standpoint of who I work for, Ford Motor Company and marketing and sales have been on the record with them for quite some time. Where I'm going with this is that intentionality, I think, is really important. And then when I decided that coaching was the route and wanting to be one of the best coaches in the world, that requires significant investment of time, your money, (laughs) your energy, and just consistent practice. Because you're never going to get better at anything unless you're actually doing the work. So it's, it's been very useful to know, yes, I have these consulting skills and no, that's not how I'm using them in the world. But I coach other people who are consultants on how to be very great at what they do. Because in my role at Ford, all of our dealerships, right, the franchises, we're essentially business consultants to them, ensuring that they're selling our products and services, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all independently owned. So you think about somebody with a sales territory That's like 14 different clients, 14 different family-owned businesses or individual company-owned businesses. And there's a skill set that's there, but it was a slowing down to know, yes, I can do this, and I have zero desire to be a consultant in this way. I can help other people, but the coaching was really where the sweet spot was for me. And then that's when I made that decision, it was like all in, who are the best coaches on the planet? And I'm going to go sit at their feet and I'm going to learn from them and be all in. And then the right time, when it's time to turn the page to the next chapter, we'll do that. Now, one of the things you just mentioned, Teresa, is that you are on the record with Ford Correct. about your coaching business. And I know that not everyone who starts a business on the side while they're working full-time as a professional, particularly in, I would say, high-achieving, high-pressure roles Mm -hmm. feel comfortable being open with their employer about doing something else that is bringing income. And, um, you know, not everybody is sure how the employer will respond to that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's normal to have a healthy fear of how your employer (laughs) is going to respond to that, especially it depends on the culture, right, of the environment with which you work. And I remember at the time, for me, there was just an inner knowing that I always felt a little bit like the joke is a square peg in a blue oval, right? Because I had all of these gifts and talents. And yes, I could do certain things very well. And then senior leadership would always talk about, this is where we see you. And I was always like, eh, I don't really know if that's what I want to be doing. And it got to the point because of how promotions happen and who's on the proverbial next up list that I was going to have to have the conversation. And when I did, it was a equal parts terrifying, but also liberating experience because it wasn't just with my immediate manager. We had this happened with one of our senior level managers throughout the entire Southeast and every employee had you know, they're 20 minutes of fame to say, hey, what, this is what I want to do. And based off of your Ford resume, if you will, and your performance, and this was your shot to basically say, here's what I want to do. 
And I remember going into that meeting and I had my Ford resume printed out and I already knew where they saw me. And I also created this one pager of like who I, like the truth of who I am, which sounds really funny in hindsight, retelling the story in terms of like my values, my strengths, how I desire to contribute, what I can do. And oh, by the way, I know in my heart of hearts, if it's not here, it's going to be somewhere else. But while I am here, this is what I can offer. And I had both pieces of paper, like you can go down the path and do what everybody else does, or you can take out this other sheet of paper and have a very direct conversation with somebody who could say, that's great. And you should leave. (laughs) Right. Or in my case, the manager at the time took his glasses off and he got quiet. And I thought I was going to throw up because he looked up at me and said, "Um, I wish I had your courage when I was your age. And then I started crying and then he started crying. (laughs) And it was this crazy moment. And this is literally like filing in one employee at a time to have your 20 minutes with the senior level manager. And it was the best conversation ever. It just opened up so much. And I said, this, these are my gifts. This is what I can do. I am a coach at heart, leadership and development all day. So whatever I can do. And then over time, they said, yes, bring your gifts into the company. Every team meeting, we want you to lead leadership modules. When we go to you know, our market area trainings, we want you to facilitate this particular discussion for, you know, X number of hundred employees. And it became a very natural, just a very beautiful time for me because I was able to bring my whole self to work, which a lot of people feel like they can't do. And um, that was, that was a game changer. Yeah. I would venture to say most people can't bring their whole selves to work. I know um, I spent 28 years as an employee and there were frequently times when I either wasn't comfortable bringing my whole self to work or I tried and I would get pushback. So I think there's a lot of validity in the fear of bringing your whole self to work. Yes. What advice do you have for those that may be facing the same dilemma that you faced about bringing your whole self to work and being straightforward with your employer? What what advice do you have about scenario planning Mm-hmm. so that you're able to have a a much better integration and alignment of who you are, what you're best at, what you most love to do with where you believe you can bring the greatest value to your employer. Step number one would be get really clear. So the last thing you want to be is wishy-washy about what it is that you desire. Even if the desire is to remain in your current position until you know what it is that you want to do next. Because your ability even just to communicate that creates a level of comfort and somebody who's trying to figure out what to do with you. Because now you're in charge of that. You're, for lack of a better word, you're in lead of the conversation. So even if it's like, listen, I need the next six months, your clarity in terms of like what you're up to and what you need and what you desire is everything. So I would say step one, know what you want, be very clear about that and ask for it. Even if it's, I don't know what it is, but I'd like the next six months to a year right here to let you know. Good advice. Now, I don't know whether you've ever experienced something similar in your coaching business, Mm -hmm. but um, whether you have or not, how do you see scenario playing out for a business owner? 
Yeah, absolutely. In my coaching, I had one client who was told for many years, 20 plus year executive within her organization, was told she was going to have equity in the company, would be a leader, et cetera, et cetera. It was never happening. And she was building her business on the side, creating clients on the side. And she made it clear, right, this is what I'd like to do. And there wasn't a lot of traction happening. And then similar to a lot of your listeners, she was asked, she was invited to go solo, right? So the, the plan B is to have a business, a viable one that generates revenue for you. So that way, when something does happen, if you're invited or you decide to go solo, you're set. So now in your case, since you are going full throttle as a full-time employee, and there is good alignment between your skills, your interests, and what the company wants you to do. And at the same time, you're building this fabulous coaching business. Mm-hmm. How do you manage to allocate your time, integrate your time, deal with all of the pressures that you're under to be able to produce in multiple environments, including in your personal life? Absolutely. So one of my favorite projects or task force to be a part of this was many years ago, was shortly after the recession, we created, the company basically knew, hey, if we can't pay people, we got to make this a great culture. So I was part of a task force called Drive Culture. If you've heard of the book, it's very old, Why Work Sucks and How to Fix It, the whole results-only work environment. So I was part of a team that brought a results-only work environment to a very, uh, conservative organization. So results-only work environment essentially means we don't care when you do your job, how you do your job, as long as you get your job done and you deliver the results. That is helpful from the standpoint of also being out in the field is a very different engagement than prior to the pandemic, having to go to world headquarters every day, punching in at 7.30 and then leaving at six o'clock. I had a knowing that that was not for me. I knew that. So what are the opportunities out in the field from a leadership perspective that allow me to continue to have a certain level of freedom? So it's deciding what's most important to you, the promotion, where there are more constraints on your time, or the freedom to be in a market area where there's a culture that supports if I want to go to see my kids' performance at four o'clock on a Tuesday, I'm not begging or groveling. I can just go because I'm getting my, my, my job done. Even with a program that I run, it, I take a half-day vacation, right? Every second Friday of the month, like that's approved, it's my time, but I'm able to run an intensive every first, second Friday of the month with my clients. It's not, so there's ways to make the most of your time. And then as you get better and better at your craft, it's you build the business the way that you want it. So if you're somebody who would like to only have a few high paying clients, you can create that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. So I'm not burning the candle at both ends. I have a six-year-old, I have a three-year-old, I have a husband. I love what I do for Ford. I love what I do in my business. And that is intentional and that's built over time. Great. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your business. Who's your ideal client? Ooh, ideal client has always been a high-achieving, lifelong learner and high performer. Somebody who, who knows what they want, even if they're afraid to go after it, they know it. 
whether it's a, I have one client right now who's been chipping away at, it's a $500,000 business. I have another client who's a multimillionaire, right? Who's going into her third business. So it's not so much about the money, but what's your desire? What is it that you truly want? And we're going to create that through listening and creating a being that helps you to do that. So ideal clients are people who want to grow, people who want to learn. And if I are being very candid, people who aren't afraid to go to the places that scare them to, to do it. So I'm not, I always say it's not for the faint of heart. So if you're looking for somebody that's going to hold you accountable, ask you why you didn't do something, I'm probably not the coach mm-hmm. <laughs> for you. But if we're going to look, it's, it's about, you know, radical honesty and who you're being is essentially my work. What kinds of fears do your clients typically have? Mm, as of late, the fears tend to be around success right? Success greater than what they've already experienced. Many of them have built a tremendous amount of success either on a persona that they do not like, or I call it a non-useful listening, right? Thinking I have to do it this way. And if I kind of segment it to women, because when I started my journey, I was primarily coaching women. Women have a lot of non-useful listenings about what it means to be a good wife, a good mother, a good employee, a good business owner, and they operate in a way that is very unhealthy, ends them up in the hospital, divorced, or not liking themselves. I know I'm jumping right in, but mm-hmm. like that's, that's where we go. It's like, I want you to want to build something beautiful in a way that also feels good and you like yourself and love yourself at the end of the day. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of elements of our culture that work against women being able to integrate their best selves with what is needed in their environment. Mm-hmm. And the, the pressures, the cultural pressures are just flat out unfair. And, you know, I see it decades after the, the so-called women's liberation movement yeah. took hold. And it's still like, like one of the questions I often ask couples is when your kid is unexpectedly sick, who calls the doctor? Yeah. Mom. And right. <laughs> why does it have to be mom? Yeah. It's a phone call. Yes. So a lot of what I'm doing, not with men, men have different confidence things that they bring into our coaching. A lot of it is, I call it non-useful listening. So the, the core of my work is I ask the question, who are you listening to and how is it serving you? Because you're either listening to yourself You're listening to somebody else, right? That says, this is how you should do it. This is what you need to be. If you want to be successful, you got like, and then there's listening to God. So a big part of my work is helping people to slow down and really listen to who they're listening to because that's creating them. That's informing the next action they take. That's there. It creates what our listening creates us. It's like, people are like, you are what you eat. I'm like, no, you are what you listen to. What you say about yourself what you say about others, all of it. So it's a very interesting form of coaching, I would say, from the standpoint of, yes, tell me what you want externally. We will create that as the byproduct of building internally because it's always an inner game. Always. That's been my yeah. experience. How long does it typically take clients to gain some kind of transformation? Well, 
One of the things that I share with my clients and students is you can't skip your own evolution. They don't like when I say that, but it varies by the individual. I say it varies to the degree with which you're willing to stop resisting whatever it is. It's like, how long do you want to grip on to whatever it is that's actually causing you pain and suffering versus like relaxing and letting it go and being able to see different possibilities? So there's only so much you can see when you're committed to a story that doesn't serve you. There's only so much you can create when you're committed to listening to something that doesn't serve you or your family. So it's like, let's let's keep listening. Like, let's stay with the discomfort because if we can do that, and you can get past your triggers and all this confidence stuff that's really the one thing that's in the way when we build our businesses, right? You can be with yourself in these moments of uncertainty and be with others, deal with your triggers. We can create anything. Sounds exciting. What's your vision for what you'd like your business to be? (sighs) My vision for what I'd like my business to be, I would say it's more of a vision for the world, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which sounds... It's like, I would love to live in a world where people take responsibility for their listening. Like, I want them to know that what they listen to creates in them and in other people. And I would love to be in a world where we could all truly listen to each other. And I know that the reason I'm able to do what I do is primarily because of my background and my history So much of my life was centered around not having the luxury of leaving the room when the conversations got uncomfortable. So it would be a whole different show, a whole different conversation, but Cliff's Notes version, first Black family, all-white community, oftentimes only Black person in the room, fast forward to Ford, many times only female and Black person in the room, and still having to connect with people listen to people, and create with people. Mutual ground, mutual understanding. But so much of my listening has been hearing things that are deeply disturbing and unsettling to most people, but developing a capacity to be with it. And that way I can be with anybody in any... So that's, that's why the coaching is so special, because I have no judgment, because I can actually hear you. I'm not easily triggered. It's like, I might feel it, but it's like, okay, what's in there? Like, let's let's look at that. And do you want to look at that? Because if you do, I'm right here with you. I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done myself. And we create from there. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but a world in which, a world in which we all have the capacity to listen. Because if we can listen, we can actually love one another. And we don't have to like each other. We don't even have to agree, but we can see each other. And that's what I think that has been missing from all business. Yeah. What a powerful (laughs) result from your experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk to anybody. Yeah. Thank thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I didn't know we were going to go there, but it's, that's the vision, helping more people to listen. I didn't know we were going to go there either, but we did. Thank (laughs) you. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Teresa, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where's the best place? I would say head on over to herlifeherlegacy.com. And if you'd like to have a conversation, just fill out the little contact form and say going solo. That's all you need to say. Include your name and email and we'll connect. 
Sounds great. Well, we've covered a lot of territory. It covered some, some really deep <laughs> topics in a short amount of time. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you um, coming on, going solo as a guest. My guest yeah. today has been um, coach of Her Life, Her Legacy, Teresa Campbell. Thank you again, Teresa, for joining us. Thank you. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can build a coaching business while employed full-time and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.